Welcome to the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Here are your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stahl. All right, welcome to our podcast where we cover business in the news and answer some of your business legal questions that you, the listener, can send in to ask at LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com. And my name is Nasser Pasha, and I am the host of Legally Sound Smart Business. And join with me as a co-host for the second time, I believe. <laughs> I guess that's me, Matt Staub. I is. thought I was going to be a featured player this week, but that's all right. Co-host is fine. No, you are now a co-host. Great. It's the second episode. Well, this is exciting. You've been a co-host. Not really, but... Second, yeah. So it was 117 episodes of you being a guest, and now you're a <laughs> oh, look at the last two co-host. Yeah. Well, I don't know who to thank. Glad to be yeah. here. <laughs> thank the people. Thank the people. It would be interesting if you had a different co-host every single time. I know. I wish I did. I got it hurts, but <laughs> I didn't mean an offense for you. I just, in general, I think it'd be a good idea to not have you on. Fair enough. Well, speaking of not liking things, uh, we're going to talk about a place I don't like to lead this off, and that's, as they like to call it, the Ohio State University. The Ohio State University. Which you're familiar with. Yeah, I almost went there for my undergrad. Oh, you did? Okay. Yeah. I did not, because I don't like Ohio State, but how close were you to Columbus? Uh, About an hour west. Okay, so yeah. I imagine everyone there is a huge Ohio State fan. Most definitely. But for some reason, there's a lot of people from Michigan, too, so it was like, whenever you went to those big games at someone's house there'd be like a third of the people wearing yellow it's actually maize is the color but that's all right we'll let that slide <laughs> maize yeah their colors are officially maize some sort of navy blue and maize but uh that's the color of their their yellow anyways that's amazing <laughs> hey all right that's good so we're talking about ohio state in a battle with an online t-shirt company the title is pretty creative. Online tries to buck online t-shirt company. They're the, they're the Buckeye. So I got that. I like a good Monday morning pun. <laughs> so I'm sure this happens with a lot of universities, but this one's a little bit different. It's online. So it's not like it's somewhere that's on the campus or in Columbus necessarily. I guess. So the company is Teespring Inc. And they've basically Ohio State says they're using unlicensed versions of Ohio State's trademarks logos, Buckeye leaves, pictures of Urban Meyer, who's their football coach, big chant they have. So and I guess this business is doing well. Another thing too is Ohio State's definitely known for being one of the bigger following, huge stadium. They obviously make a ton of money. So probably make a significant amount of money on that as well. So I, I can see why they're a little bit upset. Yeah. It's one of the biggest campuses for sure. I mean, it's I, I, I've been there. It's huge. It's like its own city within Columbus. Yeah. Well, you've heard of Teespring, right? Teespring is like, I mean, there's these other companies out there too, but basically it's a t-shirt printing company where you literally upload your art, then you can sell it to other people and then Teespring gets a percentage of it. And so it's a good way to raise money for nonprofits. You can do that or, or just do it as a profit and, and so forth. And then of course... You know, when you upload your images, you're also just like going to, you know, Kinko's, which is now, what is it, FedEx business or whatever. Um, you know, you you can't make copies of copyright, but FedEx isn't res- necessarily responsible for that unless they're taking part in contributory to the actual printing. So that's the question here is that Ohio State has been sending letters to Teespring and requests for certain products to be taken down. And this happened 
a couple of years ago. And then Teespring, it was engaged in quite a bit of a process to make sure that any images that do contain Ohio State related material or whatever that may be infringement, that they take it down as soon as possible. But Ohio State saying they're basically not doing a good enough job of it. There's a lot of a lot of these that are still going through. If it's something that's still infringing, then they probably aren't doing a good enough job. It's not even putting something that they'd have to license. It's illegal and inappropriate things submitted on t-shirts, which you obviously don't want. Yeah. So I'm not sure where this is going to go, but Ohio State is basically saying that somehow Teespring is contributing to the actual infringement. And of course, Teespring says, how can we actually be contributing to that when we're actually trying to take this stuff down? And really, you can compare it to, I mentioned Kinko's earlier, there's actually a case that is pretty seminal to this particular issue in the sense that it was a case that protected Kinko's from liability for students that were actually using the copy machines to copy whatever textbooks or whatever, because, you know, those things are so expensive and actually protected Kinko's from doing so. After that time, though, however, and I can't remember the exact holding to that, but I do know that Kinko's and other printing companies started making sure that anything that's being copied, that the person who's doing so, you know, signs that they are the rightful owner of the copyright or they have permission to actually copy or if it's under some kind of fair use. And I'm talking about when you actually like bring in a book that needs to be copied and so forth. So sometimes they just won't do it out of precaution. So in the same way, when this is something where you just upload, they seem to have some kind of filter and some kind of method of doing so. But beyond that, to what extent are they supposed to prevent this from happening? Yeah. And Ohio State's asking for obviously a permanent injunction, stopping them from doing this. And then they're estimating lost profits of about a million dollars per counterfeit item sold, which seems high, but per. (laughs) (laughs) What? That doesn't even make sense. Per, Per counterfeit item. So what? Like, uh, that is so weird. It seems high, but (laughs) that's a weird calculation. Maybe like $1 billion in general, but like to make it per item, that seems strange. Yeah. And I would guess that Teespring is not going to enter into any sort of licensing agreement with them. So yeah, I would just think they would remove it and hire someone that's specifically looking for Ohio state licensed material and just deny it. But the problem with that, then it's almost creating a precedent. Now they have to hire somebody to look at every single image to see if it infringes on anyone. And the problem with that is that there's unlimited number of trademarks and unlimited number of images and so forth that could be infringed upon. And so unless the law is against this type of business model in the first place, you know, which I don't think it is, then I think it's too cumbersome to put that kind of liability on the actual printers. When the person who's uploading the images is in the best position to prevent it. And so if Ohio State cares about it, they should be going after those individuals. I think they mentioned that they have a terms of service that provides that very clearly that they can't push infringed material on on the website. The reality is that they know that wouldn't be very popular and it's not very effective to go to each individual that's actually uploading these images. But so they're just going through where it's going to hurt the most. So and there's other companies. Teespring is not the only one that does this. So I'm sure Ohio State has other companies in their target as well. Well, they did have a big win last week. So I was kind Probably of upset about that. Against but, who? Uh, Michigan State. Oh. It's like a top two teams in the Big Ten. So Ohio State had a terrible loss at the beginning of the year and now has been pretty lights out since. So we'll see what happens. Might make that new four-team playoff that's starting this year. I have no idea what you're talking about.
question of the day. Many years ago, we bought names for new product lines. Someone approached us to buy one we didn't use. Is it possible to sell the trademark? Yes, it is. It comes from Ohio State. Does it really? No. Uh, I I know what you mean. Uh, Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's possible to sell or assign the trademark. The only thing with that is to make it effective. You actually, the question is, is whether or not the trademark with its goodwill is being sold. And goodwill is kind of the, uh, man, how do I explain goodwill, Matt? Just the, it's a store where you can donate stuff and then like <laughs> people can go and sell it, get it for cheaper. Right? Yeah. It's, it's goodwill is very similar to a thrift store. It's like a intangible asset basically. As I yeah. I guess it's the, like a business's reputation. Yeah. Actually, I just looked it up and I should know this off the top of my head, but just to be able to describe it perfectly, it's the established reputation of a business regarded as a quantifiable asset. So in other words, if you're just selling the name itself and not what it's associated with, then it may not be an effective assignment. And so therefore not effective. And so they call those a assignment in gross where you know it's made without the company's uh, goodwill. And those are completely invalid in the U.S. courts, and they've analyzed whether an assignment was made in gross in different ways by taking consideration the trademark, whether it's protecting customers from deception and confusion is the primary motivation behind the actual assignment. So those are some things to consider. But as far as the legality of actually selling it, that's one thing. But one thing I noticed is that he or she said that I bought a bunch of trademarks for potential names for new product lines. Some approached us to buy one we didn't use. So there's also a question of whether or not you actually have an enforceable trademark because there is something called abandonment of a trademark. And if you don't use it, you lose it. I believe that's the, the common term. So like if you stop using it, especially with no intention to use it again, then you are basically abandoning the trademark. And so this is often how sometimes these trademark rights are unintentionally lost, right? So often when you file a trademark, you have to choose whether you're going to be using it now or you intend to use it later. And those are different types of filings. And so if you file something that you're actually using, then you do have to actually use it in the marketplace. But once you stop and you stop intending to use it, then someone can easily grab it and and basically allege that you abandoned it. And so assigning a trademark that you've possibly already abandoned, it may be effective, but not if the trademark's not valid anymore. So that might be, that's more of a consideration from the buyer's perspective, I suppose. Yeah, I was just going to tell them to license it out and then you can keep it and make money. Yeah, that's a good idea too. Yeah, for sure. But see, again, you still have to make sure you actually have a enforceable trademark. I would just start using it again and then just to make sure and then sell it. All right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us. Keep it sound and keep it smart. This has been the Legally Sound Smart Business Show with your hosts, Nasser Pasha and Matt Stop. The Legally Sound Smart Business Show is your weekly look at legal news and questions in the business world. Legally Sound Smart Business is a podcast that is intended but not promised or guaranteed to be current, complete, or up to date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. No attorney-client relationship is created by listening or submitting questions to the podcast. The podcast does not constitute legal advice, but rather is offered only for general informational and educational purposes. 
you should not act or rely on any information in the podcast without first seeking the advice of an attorney. The opinions expressed in the podcast reflect the views of those individuals and do not necessarily represent the views of any other individual or business. For more information about the Legally Sound Smart Business Show, visit LegallySoundSmartBusiness.com.